It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 182 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fattel of Z92.5 and Sportsnet Michigan with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and also on the phone Jared Fattel of Bally Sports Detroit. Our teammates include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 the castle well fellas as we always like to do it's uh, in the early portion anyway play a little catch up i know we had college football that we're going to be talking about hard and heavy but uh you know the last really official weekend of the summer are we are we bummed are we excited because it's football season where do we stand on that you gave up on summer way too early it's we still got another solid month september is a summer month in my mind especially if you're not in school I mean, Ted, what, what has changed in your mind? Why is it not summer anymore for you? You still should be able to take the boat out, still 80-plus degrees out. Why are you already punting on it? No, I'm not I'm not punting 100%, but, uh, yeah, I'm able to still take the boat out, and the weather still is decent. But, you know, we right now today, I mean, the weather, you know, in the 70s, so it's coming down pretty quickly. And then the other thing is, and I know you both have noticed it. I mean, it's it's dark in the morning and it's getting darker earlier at night. And I found that out this weekend when we were on the boat Friday night. You know, it felt like we were out there at midnight and it was like, uh, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. It is crazy. Like, we, we talked about, like, when football comes back, we kind of, you almost kind of forget, like, how quickly all of a sudden football's back when it hits August. It's always kind of the same thing with Labor Day, too. Like, it's summer all August. It's hot summer 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 you know whatever school's not back in session yet sometimes and but then like once labor day hits it is almost like it immediately it's cold in the morning it's getting darker earlier and like all those things people are closing their pools people are like putting their boats away and stuff like that and you know kids are back in school so it is almost like labor day really is like the unofficial i guess end of summer but 
pretty hot down here, so I, <laughs> that's like one thing that hasn't gotten out of my bones yet. I still feel like I should be like moving on to fall, but it's still getting up into like the 90s down here. So it, I haven't quite given up on summer yet. Now, was this another uh, weekend at the beach for you, Matt? No, over, over Labor Day weekend, my wife and I, we both had to work. We, we weren't really planning on going anywhere. Um, we were going to stick around anyway, so it happened to work. It wasn't that bad of a deal. But, right. Jared, I'm sure you're, you're getting a taste of it now, too. Like, you work in TV, and I, Ted, Ted you know this, too, but um, you work in TV, and holidays don't really, like, phase you anymore. Like, sometimes people will be like, oh, yeah, it's a holiday weekend, and it's like, oh, yeah, I, I have to work every day. So <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. Like, it, it was Labor Day weekend. I saw everyone else at the beach camping, all that kind of stuff. I was in the office. Yeah, I was too, and the thing that's kind of just terrible, like, I feel like my world is, like, crumbling around me. It's like something out of a movie. Ted already heard this uh, story yesterday at our Labor Day cookout, but I'm in the middle of right now, I'm, I've been, I'm like, I got one more week left of working 21 straight days just with everyone's on vacation, Tigers are heating up, high school football started up, and I'm kind of the lead guy on that or whatever for editing. So it just happens that my car has been having a lot of problems. <laughs> and the, for whatever reason, when I've been starting it, I, I thought it was the starter, that there was something wrong with it because it would take forever for my car to turn over, and it was one of those things where I was like, man, one of these days I'm going to go to start this car to go to work in the morning, and it's not going to start. But I, hadn't, I haven't been able to get it in because I, I've been in the middle of working every single day. But it was yesterday that I actually noticed my car was leaking some sort of fluid. And maybe I'm just the biggest idiot in the world, but the, also the thing that makes this a very bad timing is I have been not in my apartment down in Detroit for the last month because the leases, lease was up there, and I'm not moving into my new one until next Tuesday. So I've been driving about an hour 15 every day to work uh, there and back. And what I realized yesterday is I've been throwing away money on gas for the last probably month and a half since my starter started having this problem because I have a hole in my fuel line. And what made me finally realize it was yesterday I filled up my tank, and I literally filled it up in Perry and then drove to my house. And I got back in my car about an hour later, and about a quarter of the tank was gone. And I don't know how I had never noticed this, but when I went back through my Huntington bank statements, I realized how much I had been spending on gas. It just never clicked in my brain that I had a hole in my fuel line. I just figured, oh, I'm driving to Detroit every day. You know, gas prices are up. It's whatever. I have to fill it up every day. I didn't think anything of it. I had spent $350 on gas in the month of September or in the month of August. And I just, I hate to say it, I feel like the biggest idiot in the world that I just didn't realize that I was basically throwing money into a pit. And I thought it was my gas tank, but it was all leaking out. And I, believe me, I don't know how the stars aligned where I never noticed that my tank was draining on its own, but I just figured it was that's how much gas costs. And I just, like I said, I feel like an idiot. People throw the jokes out about, like, you're just throwing money away, you know, with whatever <laughs> they're talking about. You damn near literally were throwing money away. It's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, I guess what the thing is, I don't know how you guys are, but – I'm not the type of person that, actually, Ted, I, I don't even have to ask you. I know that you are opposite of me in this regard. I'm not the type of person that's, like, driving around all the different gas stations looking for the cheapest, like, <laughs> price on gas. I don't even blink when I'm filling out my tank. I don't take it into account, like, how much I'm spending on it. It's just, it's what am I not going to do, not get gas? 
And right. so I just never really thought about it. Uh, but now I think I'm going to have to check every single time I get in the car to make sure that my gas is the same. Because after throwing away 300 bucks, uh, it's kind of hard to look at it the same way. And it's the way I was, like, doing the math in my mind, it's like Napoleon Dynamite when he's, like, calculating how much he made at, like, the chicken ranch for one day. <laughs> like, that's like a dollar an hour. <laughs> the amount of gas I was wasting to drive to work every day and back, I'm, like, thinking it through in my head. Like, I was making maybe $20 a day doing that. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. a mind blower. Real mind effort. Well, you know, it's, it, it is interesting because you drive a little Chevy Cobalt. I think a four-cylinder, I mean, you should be getting mega miles per gallon on that thing. Uh, and the other thing, I don't want to pile on, but a- answer me this uh, accurately, if you would. When is the last time you popped the hood and checked the oil? <laughs> I just got it. Well, I, that was the thing, is I figured, like, I had noticed that my car was leaking something, but it was kind of, like, out of sight, out of mind. Like, oh, it's probably just, like, you know, <laughs> windshield wiper fluid or something, something that doesn't really matter. Nope, it was literally just money oozing out of my car. But I don't like. Don't act like you're some car nut. Uh, you don't. What do you mean? Do I check the oil? Well, no, like, you got to check. I go off of what Fast Eddie's puts on my windshield. That's when I have to get an oil change. Well, with an older car like that, really, you should check the oil once in a while before your oil change. But that's here and or there. I don't want to. I don't want to pile on. Like I said, now you're talking about your car. Uh, did you drive your car up to Muskegon? Because I want to hear some of your thoughts on. Uh, you know, being heavily involved in that Muskegon, the Detroit Cast Tech game on Bally Sports Detroit, the first one of uh, many this year, right? Yeah, it, it won, let me just say, Muskegon and Hackley Stadium. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you ever went there when you were at Fox 17, but it, it's yeah. like Wilman Field in Owasso on steroids. It's, it's the coolest high school football field that I've ever been to. Um, it, apparently the bleachers were made by the same guy that, create, that made the big house and it's just the, they go from end zone to end zone. They just redid the entire field, brand-new turf field, brick wall all around the stadium. Uh, it's sweet, but I think it's the biggest loss. I know for sure it's the biggest loss under Shane Fairfield's tenure at Muskegon. He's been there 12 years. And it's funny how it just reminded me of, like, watching a Corona game, like Corona getting blown out by somebody, but it's the fifth winningest program in the nation. Like, but that just doesn't happen to Muskegon. It just, it just goes to show how good Castec really is. I mean, they have – SEC talent all over the field. It's it's just it's impressive. Now you were talking to me a little bit about it yesterday about maybe some of the differences between uh, production values and, and and duties for this game as compared to let's say a Tiger game or a Piston game. Maybe tell our listeners who who are interested because you're the young kid. You know you're getting your big break there, uh, being heavily involved in that game. What, what were some of your duties? You know the talent that was involved. Uh, just kind of walk us through it a little bit. Yeah, so I was in the, I don't know, I guess it's produce, uh, assistant producer is essentially what the role is. But, I mean, my duties were kind of uh, diluted a little bit compared to the normal APs just because it was my first time. But when you're talking about the truck, it's it, when you go to, like, a Tigers game, you'll see these trucks, like, right outside the stadium. Like, they're huge. It's, like, almost like a semi, the back of a semi, how big they are. We are, for these high school football games, we're in, like, a little, like, Winnebago-type band. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's not the same, it's not the same production value. I mean, it's clearly not going to be compared to a professional sports team, but for a high school football game, I mean, it's still, it's the best you're going to find, really. Yeah. And then you were, you were passing on stats to the guys? That was part of your duties? Yeah, and, yes, and, rec- and recording stats as well. I mean, it's, it's, I love keeping stats. I mean, the way my brain kind of works is, like, March Madness, the brackets, the anything that has to do with numbers or stat keeping or something along those lines, like my mind just zones in on it. So I loved it. But 
yeah, I just hope it's a better game next week. It's going to be Castec versus Martin Luther King, so it should be a lot better of a game. Now, were you passing on the stats in their earpieces, or were you uh, were you throwing up some video graphics? What what were you doing there? Right. So uh, basically, how it works is you have a guy doing stats, and then you have somebody doing graphics. You have the you know play by play guy, the color guy, which was T.J. Lang this week actually, mm-hmm. um, and then you have like the producer. So basically, what my job was was to kind of try to notice trends. Uh, and, you know, alert the people above me to, like, what's going on, you know, whether it's how many consecutive completions this guy has. Uh, let's say the quarterback, for example, the quarterback had, like, five touchdowns in the first half. So just a real quick, like, turnaround is, oh, they're going to put together a highlight package of this quarterback and all of his touchdowns, so let's get, like, a first-half stat line for him. So it's just it's kind of just basic stuff. It's kind of self-explanatory, I feel like, for anyone who watches football. I mean, we know the, t- the general type of, like, stats that go on the screen for this type of stuff. So that's kind of what I was putting together. So I'm just a Yahoo radio guy. Matt, does that all, that all fit right into place in, in your experiences? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that he basically laid it out perfectly. There's always an AP that does all the, like what he just said. you got the graphics person, and then there's usually an AP that supports that graphics person and tells them, what to put in all the statistical graphics and stuff like that. And then what I usually do, like he was talking about the the person building the video package, the highlight of the quarterback or whatever, that's the kind of stuff that I'm doing. So most of the time I, I do some other stuff too, but a lot of times that's what I'm doing. So it is kind of kind of cool. We've said it before when you've asked about stuff that I do, or now it's cool to hear Jared getting to do it too, seeing all the different moving pieces that go into one production. I mean, even if – even if it was a, just just a quote-unquote high school game or whatever, there's still a lot that goes into putting that thing on TV. It's not, like I've said before, it's not just flipping on the camera and saying go. Like there, There's a lot of stuff that goes into putting it on TV, so it's really cool to see. Yeah, and I, I will say this too, you know, we like to bust each other's balls here every once in a while, but I thought, uh, I thought the production and the job Jared did there was just fantastic. I, I only stuck with it for the first half because it was kind of a blowout, but... Uh, yeah. It, it was it was well done. Nice job, young man. No, they. I mean, the people who get paid a lot more than I do, like the producer and people like that. I mean, they treat it like it like it's a Super Bowl, and that's why. I mean, that's why they're in the position that they're in. You know, regardless of whether it's a high school football game or if it's you know Game Seven of the Tigers World Series, I feel like they treat it exactly the same. In uh, the production value, it's like I just like they do like the the teases, uh, like the two minute tease that opens up the show every week. It's like it's some of the coolest like video highlights you'll see. And it's just, it's just awesome to be part of it. So yeah, yeah. yeah, and the sideline. And what's funny, and I know we've talked about this before too, but um, a lot of times that tease or some of the other stuff that, like Jared's talking about, that goes into the production. Like I, I know I used to do it when I was only doing editing, but so now I know a bunch of my friends that still just do the edit. They'll get like a whole week to do this thing, and it's just this like forty-five second or minute and a half right. tease that goes before the game. So they spend like a whole week on it, but. It looks really cool, and it like sets off to the production right from the jump. So it does. It's just funny to think about that. People see it, and it's only forty-five seconds, minute and a half, and it's like, yeah, but someone spent like five days on this. So. Well, that, that's what makes the viewing experience special. I mean, you know, it gets you hyped up and ready to go. You know, that's what it's right. all yep. about. Hey, uh, by the way, guys, uh, you know, we all have our experiences in Detroit. Um, you know, we're all from Michigan. I know we have listeners all over the country, but uh, Detroit. We've talked about it before. It gets kind of a bad rap 
I went down there on Sunday. Uh, the wives, myself, my my wife and uh, my sister and her husband, we went down to the former Kobo Arena Convention Center to see some Van Gogh exhibit. Right? It was it was more of a chick thing, but it was fun to go down there and and participate in it. But you know, we hung around Detroit for a good portion of the day. We we went to a restaurant in Mexican town, and then we came back and kind of just drove around downtown Detroit. There was all kinds of activity, not just in the you know the the sports zone there by the stadiums, but downtown was hopping. Campus Martius, there was lots of stuff going on. They had some people playing music in there. I mean, Jared, you're, you're fortunate. You're working down there, and you're able to get down there quite a bit. But man. It's making a pretty damn good comeback, I think. It is. Now, hold on. You buried the lead. When was it that you went to this? Uh, Sunday. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if you went to this on Saturday, right in the middle of college football, that sounds like been in a Van Gogh exhibit uh, on college football Saturday. literally sounds like hell on earth. No, never going to happen on <laughs> Michigan opener. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I haven't been, like, exploring downtown Detroit in a few years now, but, like, hearing, like, Jared talk about it or some of my other friends, I have a few friends that live downtown Detroit, and they work down there. And that's what they always say. We obviously know Flint, Detroit, you know, other areas of Michigan get just the bad headlines all the time. But there are definitely, I mean, you just painted the picture, there are definitely some really cool areas downtown Detroit, especially right around some of those, like, um, arenas and, you know, concert halls and stuff, and then, you know, obviously Comerica Park and Ford Field. But, no, people that say, like, why would I want to go to Detroit for a Tigers game or, you know, whatever the exhibit is, they just don't know. There, there no. is still a lot of really cool stuff to see downtown Detroit. It, it, it Honestly, it's sneaky. It's a sneaky good city that, I mean, in the summer you can't beat it. I mean, with, with the weather in the winter, obviously it's going to take some hits. That's why I feel like, it's a great destination place for uh, free agents and Tigers baseball, but maybe not for NBA basketball. You can understand why somebody like Blake Griffin just said, I want out of here, give me to New York. <laughs> but uh, what was your artistic review of the Van Gogh exhibit? Was it, Did you think that his art was awesome? Oh, no, I've always liked Van Gogh's art. I mean, and, and it painted a the history of, of, you know, how he got into painting. You know, first the first thing is you walk through, it's kind of like you're going through a museum, and one thing that just, irks me a bit when I go to museums is how much reading you have to do you know they <laughs> they put the posters up on the wall and you're, you're reading everything I'm more of a visual guy and and so we went through these three hallways of you know reading all about Van Gogh and okay that was good that was fine and then we get into this big big giant like ballroom and it's like a 3d experience where they've got all of Van Gogh's paintings kind of it's kind of like on a rotunda, you know, it's moving, it's, it's nonstop movement and there's music that's playing. It's, I'll tell you what, if you were to take some mushrooms back in the day and go, (laughs) go stand in here, you would really get the full pleasure of it. Bottom line is three point podcast scale, three being the high, I would give it a solid eh, 2.2. I think it was a little bit overpriced at 40 some bucks, but other than that, it it was enjoyable and the, and the ladies liked it. So you got to go along with that once in a while. All right, guys, that's our catch-up portion. Let's get into the real meat and potatoes here on the podcast and talk a little uh, college football in this next segment right after this. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, 
aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Century located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, so college football, the official week one, you know, we're a couple weeks in, but the official week one is in it, in the books. ton of storylines, but obviously what we want to start off with is our Michigan Wolverines starting out 1-0, and and we've started doing our instant reaction videos, so you guys, listeners out there, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at 3PointPod, and we usually post a little quick, our initial thoughts right after a Michigan game, right after a Lions game, a little video. It's kind of cool. A lot of times it gets a lot of traction, and a lot of times you'll see Ted and I a little excited about a Michigan win, and then Jared bringing everything right back down. And listen, I, I get it was Western Michigan. I understand that, Jared. You were you were like, how how can you be excited? It was Western Michigan. I understand all that. But the thing that I, I think I said it last year too, and we know how last season went. But it's the same feeling that I had last year. Any positive feelings, vibes, anything that I can get from the Michigan program, I will take, and especially with how last season went and, uh, like we said, no expectations and seeing how they played, you know, I'll take any of that. I would rather have that than, like we said, a close game in the third quarter, a barn burner in the fourth quarter. We saw backups in the second half. We saw third and fourth stringers in the fourth quarter. I'll take that any day of the week, at least for week one. Obviously, Washington this weekend will be a different story. Yeah, man, I guess the reason why I was so, like, not – I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but it's that we do this every year. We saw it with the Minnesota game last year. And, and here's the thing with Michigan. We always blow out these lower-level teams, almost always. Middle Tennessee State is the only one I can think of. And it's it, and how we do it is, like, what we saw, like, Kate McNamara, what do you only throw, 11 passes? It's just like we're, we're doing to these teams what we're not going to be able to, to, to do – against, you know, the, the top-tier Big Ten teams, the Ohio State. But the reason that I really think that this is a depressing week one, even though it looked awesome, you know, it's great to see the big house rocking, the two guys that jumped off the screen were, were Corum and Ronnie Bell. Mm-hmm. They were two guys that I said, okay, these are Ohio State-level, like, athletes that are just game-breakers. And wouldn't you know it, right as we get those guys, we lose one of them. Out for the season, Ronnie Bell, ACL. And here's the thing, there's the difference between us and, like, an Ohio State. We have, like, one or two of those guys. Ohio State has four or five. Where if they lose one, it's not, it's not that noticeable. When we lose Ronnie Bell, I mean, he was the biggest playmaker on our team. And it's just, you, we don't have those guys at the ready like another big-time program does. So I just don't know how with losing him like that in the way that we lost him on a special team mm-hmm. play, how do you still go into this Washington game and the rest of the season being like, I can't wait, we're going to rock. It's just, it's just depressing. 
Yeah, I mean, I, that was the one point that I was going to make. I mean, I was pretty impressed with the overall play of Michigan throughout that game. I mean, you know, we talked about that they usually do blow out these MAC teams, usually, you know. But uh, like you said, Middle Tennessee State, not a MAC team, but, you know, a lower level, Appalachian State. At least those days are gone. You know, Harbaugh gets his 50th win as a Michigan coach. That's impressive, 50 and 22. Uh, you know, we always forget about that, that he's pretty successful other than the big, big games, Michigan State and Ohio State. But, yeah, seeing Ronnie Bell go down, that kind of sucked for sure. And I know there's been back and forth on whether you should use your best receiver on on special teams. There's arguments both ways, but, you know, it's hard to argue against Michigan's success with their key players on returns, right? Desmond Howard to name one, Charles Woodson another. I I don't understand that because, I mean, I I get, like – People saying, "Oh, it's Western Michigan. Why would you have him out there?" And I just like I, I think it's it's football, and it, injuries can happen whether you're in practice or any time throughout a game. And when you're in a position like Michigan is, where you have to you have to build this program up. The last year, going two and four, even if it was a weird 2020 COVID season, that, I mean, Harbaugh was about to be run out of town. The program was in the dumps, and you're you're in a position like the Michigan football program. You have to establish any sort of momentum you have to find your guys you have to get everyone you know figure everything out work out all the kinks shake off all the rust you know all those cliches and to me it's you put your best players on the field if you've got someone like jared just described ronnie bell who is looked like he was maybe going to be like first team all big 10 maybe you know with with the plays that he was making you put him on the field like you said Ted, like if you have a Desmond Howard, if you have a Jabril Peppers, if you have a Charles Woodson, you find any way possible to get those guys on the field. So if you have Ronnie Bell and he's your best punt returner, he's going to return punts. And you know what? Sometimes injuries happen. Like it sucks, but you know sometimes injuries happen. But you know I I just I like seeing the energy. I don't know if it was just because fans were back at the big house or if there really is like a renewed energy within the program, but. The guys just seem like more amped up. Like I don't know. Like watching the game, they were like smacking each other's helmets and any big play, they were all pumped up and you know all that kind of stuff. It may have been first game of the season juices or you know, like I said, fans back in the big house. But there just seemed to be a different vibe around the program. And I know they were whooping up on Western Michigan, so hopefully it carries out throughout the season and especially this Saturday night against Washington. Yeah, I mean, they can't afford a letdown against Washington. Now, Washington, we certainly would have rather seen them beat Montana. What a stunner that was, huh? It kind of takes a little bit of the luster off that game. I mean, I think Washington was ranked number 20 going into uh, last weekend. They're probably out of the top 25 now. But still, it's yeah. it's, it's a Saturday. Yeah, they dropped out of the top 25, but to me, like, I don't, I don't care what happened last week. Like, Michigan just needs to take care of business. I don't care if Washington lost by 40 to Montana. They're going to be coming into the big house ready to play. So, like, to me, it's just like you just worry about taking care of business. I don't care who Washington lost to. But, like, I, I was curious to hear Jared's take on that. Jared, do you wish – or not wish. Do you, do you think that Harbaugh shouldn't have had Ronnie Bell returning punts? No, I'm actually, I think he should be. I mean, and it's hard to argue it when the play he gets hurt on is like a 30-yard sweet return where he makes like two or three guys miss. It's hard to say that he shouldn't be in that position when that's what happens. Uh, yeah. the, the bright side of the Ronnie Bell story is he's still got two years of eligibility, so 
you know, let's say that we just get eight or nine wins this year and we re- rebuild or retool next year. Harbaugh has some juice going into the next season. He's going to be out there waiting for us. Yep. But as for the Washington game coming up, it's, I, I hate to say it, I'm kind of in on Michigan. I, the more and more I thought about it and the more and more I got kind of separated from the Western game and I started really looking at this schedule, I'm not saying that we're a really good team, but go, going into the Michigan State game, which is week seven, the only tough team we have really after – Washington this week is Wisconsin, which I think we could easily beat. So let's say we just find a way to win this game against Washington. I don't care if they lost week one. I don't care if they're really not that good. Just keep stacking wins. That's what matters in college football. If we can win this game, we're rolling, heading into Wisconsin week five, and then I think Michigan State week seven, where at worst we should be going into that game with one loss. So the way I look at it is just take it one week at a time. And if we can beat Washington this week, which I think we should, I know we're a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, I'm just looking forward to a great Michigan State game, which you guys know, that's my Super Bowl. So I'm kind of in on Michigan, but no, Matt, to answer your original question, I have no problem with Ronnie Bell returning punts. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see him back in a maize and blue uniform, and we got a maize out coming up Saturday night against Washington. Uh, you, Jared, you brought up the fact that uh, McNamara only threw the ball 11 times, but uh, thoughts on how he played. I thought he managed the team pretty well and, and did what was asked of him, and the running game was solid. Um I don't know. I th- I thought he did fine. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think we I think we all kind of said the same thing last week. Like we're not looking for Cade McNamara to put up like Joe Burrow numbers. You know, we, it would be cool if he did, but we we just want to see him take shots when he needs to, and then take care of the ball. And that's basically what he did last Saturday. You know, he threw a couple deep balls, and then you know didn't turn it over. So obviously, at some point, kind of like what Jared said earlier, they're going to have to do more than what they did against Western Michigan, against some of these yeah. better teams. They're going to have to do more on offense. But, I mean, he to me, like hearing all the reports, hearing about how he's a leader and he's really taken on that role as a starting quarterback, and like ever since that Rutgers game when he came in last year, I know it's a small sample size, but he's kind of showed me enough that, like, again, I'm not saying he's going to be Joe Burrow, he's going to be Johnny Manziel out there winning the Heisman, but he's shown me enough that hopefully with a strong run game, I'm curious to see who's going to step up at receiver now without Ronnie Bell. But I think he can be the guy that in a dogfight with at Wisconsin where they haven't won in like 20 years, he can be the guy to like get him over the top. So, I mean, we'll see. You know, this is going off of like a, a few games and then one game against Western Michigan this season. But I don't know. I, yeah, I'm kind of feeling good about Cade McNamara. And then I know we were talking a little bit about J.J. McCarthy last week too, but – what about that throw he made going throwing it like 50 yards across the field? <laughs> yeah, like an oh no, oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that throw was incredible. I don't care. It I, was. I, we, I've made my opinion known. I, I don't think JJ McCarthy is all he's cracked up to be, but I mean, wow, what a throw! I mean, you just gotta sometimes you just gotta tip your cap. I mean, like you said, Ted, it's uh, oh no, oh no, oh yeah. But right. Just serious velocity on that throw. I mean, it duped the corner. The corner didn't think he had that in his tool bag, especially off like his back foot getting hit as he threw. Just an incredible throw, but I, we kind of buried the lead. I mean, are, are you were you guys not as impressed by this Quorum guy? I mean, what a electric little like scat back! I'm loving him. My favorite player now. Yeah, he seen he reminds me, and you know, Mike Hart came back to the program to coach running backs. He almost looks like Mike Hart, but a little faster. Faster. Yeah. You know, Mike Hart was, I mean, maybe one of the best running backs in Michigan history. But didn't necessarily have like breakaway speed, but Quorum seems like he might have breakaway speed. So. Yeah, I mean, you mix him with Haskins. Those are your one-two. And then you got Donovan Edwards, who is like the freshman phenom. He's kind of your third back. The you know few carries that he got, he showed that he's going to be something. 
<laughs> That's what I mean. Like I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I, we'll see how they do Saturday against Washington, and then going forward. But I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Again, I, I keep talking about that amazing blue Kool Aid. The cup's starting to fill up a little bit, and if they whoop up on Washington, I'm going to be drinking it for sure. Well, Jared got me kind of fired up, and I just took a quick look at the schedule. I mean, if they can get by Washington Saturday and be 2-0, and they follow it up with uh, you know Rocky Lombardi in Northern Illinois. They should beat them, right? Then they got Rutgers. Yep. Then they got Wisconsin, who didn't look all that impressive against Penn State. Then they got Nebraska after that, and then they got a bye week. So, I mean, they could come out of the gates really quick if they if they continue to stay focused and play football like they're supposed to. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited. Yeah, and, and here's the thing is, I mean, I think Michigan is a solid team, but if you can just start hot and, like, you can convince yourself that you're really good, Confidence. then you kind of are really good. So that's all we need to do is find a way, somehow, some way. We should win this weekend, but I think Washington is a little bit of like a wounded dog where we backed him into a corner. They're almost in like a must-win situation this weekend. Michigan to kind of get back on track. And you can't put too much stock into that loss. I mean, teams lose, and we can't act like it's just so we're going to waltz in and beat Washington, who is a legit program and a a good team. They just had a bad week. So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword where if we win – I'm going to be the guy saying we shouldn't be, you know, going way too crazy about this win because Washington's not very good. But if we lose, we can't just act like we just lost the biggest like the biggest game of the season because Washington is not is not a joke, and people are going to act like they are just because of Week One, but they're not. Right? Has Michigan turned the corner fan wise? Now, the reason I bring that up, the Wolverine fan base at the Big House for many many years were these hoity-toity people sitting on their hands, bitching at people standing up. But have we gotten past that phase now? And Michigan Stadium has become a real home field advantage, especially on Saturday night where it's going to be the maze rage. Like I said, people people are going to be going crazy. That, that could be a huge factor. I mean, I definitely think that, you know, it's turned a corner. There's probably still a lot of those people who are the sitting on their hands, you know, sit down in front, no standing up yep. type of people. But I, I think it's definitely turned a corner, and I'm trying to find it real quick right now. I saw a stat earlier that, um, yeah, right here, in home games, Jim Harbaugh is, well, Harbaugh as the coach at Michigan, is 31-5 and five at home. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a pretty good record. I don't care who you are. I mean, 31-5 and five over, you know, whatever, five years, is that's a good record. That's a home field advantage, I would think, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, I, I don't know if you can say that we've turned the table because guess what happens every year we play Ohio State, they take up half the season. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I just don't know if you can say you've turned the table. Uh, the big thing that's getting a lot of storylines this past week has been the Mr. Brightside <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. kind of tradition that we have. And a lot. Of, I'm surprised that a lot of people are against it. Listen, they, they act like it's like this old song and it sucks and it's overplayed. I always laugh when people say a song is overplayed. There's a reason it's played so much. It's because it's a really right. good song. So I, I love the tradition. Anytime, like, we talk about Wisconsin has jump around, you know, Virginia Tech has enter Sandman, I guess that this is Michigan's version of that. And I don't hate it. It could be much worse. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. It was definitely one of those things that, I mean, I, I'm sure anyone who's on Twitter saw that, yeah, the Mr. Brightside debate is was going on. It probably still is for the last two or three days because someone posted a video of them, the crowd singing it at last Saturday's game. And, like, every big account on Twitter shared it. The video that the dude shared has, like, over 2 million views. And so wow. it's, it's, it's definitely a cool tradition. It's a catchy song. It's not, like, my favorite song in the world. I just the, – the only thing I have with it is, like, 
it's almost like a little bit of a corny song. I don't know. Like, it, it's a cool song. It gets everyone up and excited and stuff like that. And that's what it's about. But, like, I feel like there could be a cooler song. I don't know. Like, Jump Around, I'm not saying it's, like, a classic or something like that, but that's, like, a cool song. You know, it gets the fans into it. Enter Sandman is just, oh. that's, that's just a badass, like, rock song. And then, you know, like, some, some other stadiums have, like, some traditions like that. And then Michigan has Mr. Brightside. Yeah, like, I don't know, but if it gets the fans into it, who cares? It's exactly. Fun. Isn't isn't that song kind of from your generation, Matt? Yeah, yeah. The Killers is the yeah. band, and they were huge when I was like high school and then through college. So that's what I mean. Like I, which is like twenty years ago now. Yeah. So like in a sense, it could almost be seen as like a a classic rock song almost. But so yeah, I mean that's I like the song. I liked it when it came out, and if it gets the fans up and cheering and singing the song and everyone is singing it and it's loud and everything great that's cool i love it but i just it'd be i don't know there, there's probably like some cooler songs you could do like even sweet caroline you know at fenway park they do sweet caroline even at beaver stadium uh where penn state you know they they sing sweet caroline during their whiteout and i'm not saying like sweet caroline is like cooler but i don't know a neil diamond song is a little cooler than the killers am i right yeah well i went to west virginia game once and uh the, their fans all really get into Country Roads by John Denver, you know, where they say, West Virginia, yep. it is loud. Now, for for Michigan Stadium, it'd be kind of cool to have, a, like, a real rocking song from somebody from Detroit, like Kid Rock or Seeger or even Detroit Rock City Kiss, you know, just something to really get cranking, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay well, with one thing, yeah, one thing they've done, uh, the White Stripes, you know, they're yeah, – yeah. um, I don't know if all of the members are from Detroit, but definitely lead singers from Detroit. Jack and, White. Um, you know, they have that they have that song. I'm sure you guys have heard Seven Seven Nation Army. That Michigan Stadium they do play usually before kickoff, mm-hmm. and it's become a little bit cliche. A lot of stadiums do play that because it is really it's a cool uh, rock song. But like to me, like that would be one to play. That would get everyone into it. So I don't know, whatever. It's just funny to see people argue over, you know, the stadium singing a song. I guess. Give me a little Nickelback, burn it down. Oh God, Nickelback! <laughs> <laughs> well, that Jared would probably want Creed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Well, Michigan looked pretty good. Let's uh, keep our fingers crossed for Saturday night. I now, just, go ahead, Jared. I just realized I was uh, muted for the last like three minutes. I felt like I was an insane person. Um, <laughs> but anyway, okay. I got to get my thoughts out real quick on the Mr. Bright side today. Um, I think, Matt, what you were talking about, like, the Sweet Caroline is, I mean, what's to say Mr. Brightside isn't going to be that type of song in, you know, 20, 25 years? I mean, if we keep the tradition rolling and it becomes more of, like, uh, when you're Ted's age and you're looking back on your college days, like, I think the song could be that. I mean, just in terms of the songs that have came out last 15, 20 years, I'm not sure there's a better option. Uh, I will say it's like it seems like Michigan should have Ted. You were kind of like hinting at it. Like we should have something better than that, though. Mm-hmm. It, it just seemed like it, I don't know what it could be. Sweet Caroline, something. We should have something that's a little bit better of a tradition. But the best one I've ever seen was is Florida. They do. I think it's like the same sort of thing. Like every third quarter, I, I won't back down by Tom Petty. And maybe the best YouTube video out there is when right when Tom Petty died. I think the next day the whole fan base did that in the stadium and if you want to get chills just look up that video on youtube yeah that's kind of my All point time. too because because petty's from gainesville florida you know why wouldn't you if you're in ann arbor get get one of the great detroit rockers that we've had that's all but i certainly won't lose sleep over it either way i'm gonna yeah. I'm, I'm, you can just call me mr Brightside. how's that <laughs> i'll say this on and one more thought i mean harbaugh 
I think we got the new Harbaugh back. I think we got the, oh, excuse me, the old Harbaugh. It looks I think like he's it. back. I really do. We, we've talked about in the past how we don't know what happened, but it's almost like he's been neutered. Uh, just something about his juice. I don't know if it's the weight loss or, or if it's just my mind playing tricks because we're actually winning games or if it's because people are in the stands and he's actually getting a little bit more amped up than the COVID games. But but I, th- I really do think we got the old Harbaugh back because I think he's kind of – at the point in his career where he's like, listen, if we don't win this year, I'm going to get fired. So I'm going to go out on my terms and I'm going to you know, do what I've always done. I don't care what the boosters have told me, what the ADs told me. I'm doing this my way. If, if I'm going to go out down, I'm going down my way. So I'm glad that we have Harbaugh back. Amen, yeah, man. Yep, yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously it's only after one game, but I, I'm definitely with you. It seems like we've said it before, but I don't know if he had a wake-up call last year or if bringing some new coaches in who have been with the program, you know, bringing that energy back of, like, old, you know, Michigan football. But it definitely seems like it, and he's out there smacking his quarterback shoulder pads again, and, you know, he looks like he's fired up. So hopefully because, I, I mean, we, we've said it before, something needs to change or he's going to be, this is his last year. You know, I, I think he knows that it's basically like a put-up-or-shut-up season. Absolutely. Well, big win for the Wolverines. To be expected, but they look pretty good. And again, the only negative was losing Ronnie Bell. Now, over at Michigan State, I mean, they had a big game Friday night right out of the gates, taking on uh, the Big Ten West champion from a year ago. We we kind of talked about it on our last pod. And uh, Michigan State came out and had an impressive win over Northwestern. And how about Kenneth Walker? 264 yards and four touchdowns. And I mean, he he's, looks like an awesome running back. It's eerily similar to Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. and that first game he had against Boise State. And I don't think we're in, we're in store for like a Le'Veon Bell senior year type season from Kenneth Walker, but I'd be lying if I didn't say this guy is already terrifying me and we don't play Michigan State for six more weeks. <laughs> He's damn good. I mean, Northwestern, we were talking about before the game, Northwestern's not a slouch. They're not Western Michigan. It's not like he did this against Western. He did this against a Big Ten opponent. And Northwestern usually has a stout defense. And I know the production from last year, Lauren told us that last week. They're young. Regardless, I mean, it's Northwestern. They still put on the same jersey. They still have that same coach, Pat Fitzgerald. It's a legit team. And he made them look like boys. He looked like a grown man on a field with a bunch of boys. And it's scary. I'm trying to look at their schedule. They've got Youngstown State this week, so they should run all over them again. Yep. Um, And then Miami in a couple weeks. So, I mean, we'll we'll find out soon. But, yeah, they, they showed a lot. And... I, I was texting some buddies during that game, the Michigan State game, and I was like, honestly, like, I'm getting bad feelings, you know, like, as a Michigan fan, bad feelings that Tucker's got this team rolling already. Like, he, he said he was going to overhaul the roster, and he did that with through the transfer portal, and, you know, obviously recruits coming in and stuff, and, you know, they got that, they got Walker at running back, and they've got, you know, some decent quarterbacks, so we'll see, like, who else steps up, but... Like, it wouldn't shock me. Like, it wouldn't shock me if Tucker comes in and he's got this program rolling and they're going to win eight or nine games this year. You know, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth because uh, Mel Tucker, from everything I've seen in the offseason and then just watching his demeanor and watching how the players were disciplined, I'm I'm impressed with him already. I mean, I think he's going I think he's the real deal over there, and I think they got a they got a good coach. He brought a different energy, like our friend Joe Jenkins said. Like he, he, he was different than D'Antonio. He brought in a different energy, but there still is that kind of like chip on our shoulder, like unproven, we have to prove ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, type of mindset. It seems like with the program, because like you know, we all know that 
there's definitely an arrogance that comes around the Michigan program, and I think sometimes that that hurts them a lot. Yep. And Michigan State is always that like out to prove themselves, even if they whoop up on Northwestern, people still don't respect them. And I think Mel Tucker kind of has that as a head coach. People are doubting him, and he's I don't know. It's a, it, it's early, obviously, but it looks like he he's got them in a good spot. It, he he seems like he's just a cool guy, and this is, this is going to sound really dumb. But he's kind of like grasped on to the like Spartan dog man- mantra, and I'm telling you what, for as somebody who's 22 years old and was a high schooler four or five years ago, something as dumb as that like rallying cry is going to draw some serious recruits. And it sounds dumb, and the stupid Instagram pictures of him wearing the fresh suits and the sunglasses, getting off the planes, <laughs> it, it resonates with kids, and it resonates with me. I'm I'm loving this guy, and like I said about Michigan. The schedule kind of aligns for Michigan State in the same way where next week against Miami, let's say they, they should handle their business against Youngstown State. If they can somehow, some way, find a way to win that game against Miami, I mean, we are on a crash course for one hell of a maybe top 15, top 20 matchup between Michigan and Michigan State in week seven because the only other tough game Michigan State has outside of Miami, it's Indiana, which I think they could easily beat them. I don't think that's not a winnable game. But even if, let's say, worst-case scenario, Michigan's rolling into that game at 5-1, and one, Michigan State's rolling into that game at 5-2, and two, that's going to be the best Michigan-Michigan State game we've had in about five years, and I just can't wait. Yeah, and it's going to be back to Harbaugh's first year when, you know, D'Antonio had Michigan State established and Harbaugh comes in and he's supposed to be, you know, the next best thing in, in college football. And so it was like that, you know, Harbaugh trying to establish himself against D'Antonio – and now it'll be like similar type of storylines, I guess. Harbaugh having to reestablish or get Michigan going again, but then like Tucker already has a win over Harbaugh. So like, is is he going to be two and zero against Harbaugh? That would be just insane to think about. Tucker comes in when D'Antonio basically ran the program into the ground, and if he started off two and zero against Harbaugh, ooh, that would be. That might be worse than uh, that that winless Ohio State record. (laughs) Halloween Eve at Spartan Stadium. That's going to be a fun one. Well, I'll tell you guys, you know, we talked about it in the open a little bit about uh, Labor Day being kind of the unofficial end of summer. But, boy, what a way to start college football official week one, huh? The the holiday weekend with the Spartans playing Friday night, you know, Michigan playing on Saturday at noon like we like to see. But there were some other great games in college football. I mean, it couldn't have been set up any better to get our juices flowing, especially in front of packed houses, which uh, we hadn't seen in a while, boys. No, that's who won the weekend. I mean, it kind of just is its mind-blowing how awesome it seemed. It just, it just goes back to, when you look back at last year, how weird that really was <laughs> without fans in the stands. I mean, I honestly think it took Michigan from being like a six or seven or eight win team last year to a two win team, just because we didn't have the big house and the whole fan support behind us at every home game. But, no, that was the biggest takeaway. I mean, the game that really won the weekend was Notre Dame-Florida State. Mm. Somehow, like like we said last week, somehow, some way that, like, Sunday night game every year is just one hell of a game. And that's exactly what we got. I mean, Alabama looks damn good as usual. Georgia defense, wow. Wow. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I mean, that's the SEC for you. It's a different ball game. Blake, I tell you what, Blake Corum's not running all over that team. Kenneth Walker isn't either. So it's just a little bit of a different level of the SEC team. But, man, college football's back. Got to love it. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that Sunday night game. I mean, it had pretty much everything. When uh, Mackenzie Milton came into the game, I forgot all about that dude, you know. Uh, He'd been out for two years with a severe knee injury, and 
the only bummer to me was he didn't get the win, you know. I mean, it, what a what a comeback story that would have been if they had picked up the victory. But it was a great, great Sunday night matchup. Also, uh, I think he, I guess he was back last year, but uh, Joe Tess there. I mean, back in college football, he's he's pretty damn good, and he was painting the picture nicely in that game as well. I, I got to give some kudos to the broadcaster there. It was that was part of the fun. But Jared, you're 100 percent right. That Georgia defense, I mean. I don't know if that knocks Clemson completely out of the picture. They're probably going to run the table the rest of the way, I would guess. But, you know, their strength of schedule is really weak. So, I mean, Georgia made a big statement in that one, and that defense was unbelievable. No, yeah, Georgia needed that that win bad because if they would have lost that, they know they've got the rest of the SEC and mostly Alabama looming. So, mm-hmm. so them getting that win is definitely a big confidence boost for for Kirby Smart and Georgia. But, but yeah, it was just an incredible weekend of college football. But you mentioned you mentioned Joe Tess. Joe Tess is another one of those guys that like kind of like Joe Buck, like what we've talked about. He catches so much flack, and I don't I don't get it. I like Joe Tess calling college football. Maybe him doing NFL or some other stuff that he does might not be like his cup of tea, but him calling college football, I'm a big fan, but I saw, I saw uh, Jared's guy, Gus Johnson, catching some flack over, over the weekend. And I, I'm definitely a little out on Gus Johnson. I don't know where you guys are at. He's okay. Oh, I think he's better man. in college basketball, but I don't know about with college football. Matt, are you kidding me right now? They're one of my favorite. Honestly, they're, they're number two and they are a little bit closer than I would like to admit to Herbie and Fowler. I mean, the Colt, I love Joel Klatt. I think he actually is He's really good. He's always been a Michigan like kind of fan, it seems like. He's always one of our biggest like fans in terms of the media members, so that definitely gives him some brownie points. But I love Gus, Gus Johnson. I mean, half of the reason why that Wisconsin and Penn State game, which I would say was the number two game of the weekend, seemed, was so awesome going down the stretch because Gus Johnson's right there, and he makes it feel like it's a Super Bowl every game he calls. I love him. How, how are you anti-Gus Johnson, Matt? That's crazy, Towns. I'm not. I'm not anti-Gus Johnson. I think he's very good for college basketball. But football, like, I just can't stand the announcers and like Matt Shepard, the dude that calls uh, the Tigers games now for Bally Sports. I can't stand the announcers because he does it too. That like sell, ev- like oversell every single play. Like sometimes, like even if it's a great hit or a great touchdown pass or something like that, you don't have to act like it's like the game-winning World Series home run or a Hail Mary that just won the college football playoff or something like that. And Gus Johnson, I, I just think he's a little overboard. I don't mind him, just think he's a little overboard. Joel Klatt, though, big Joel Klatt fan. I, I think he's great. And it's it, like bonus points because he loves Harpaw in Michigan. So it's always fun when they call that game. But uh, what did you guys think about last night or Monday night, Reese Davis calling a game? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard Reese Davis do play-by-play very often. I thought he did really good. Yeah, he's a natural. I mean, you knew he'd be awesome. I don't know if Fowler has any plans of not continuing to, to broadcast games, but if he ever steps down, I mean, that's the number one guy I'm circling. To just basically be like a, a Wally Pipp type situation where he's just sliding right in, and it's, it's like they don't even miss a beat, uh, him and Herb Street, if they ever teamed up. But to go, circle back real quick on your point on, like, Matt Shepard and the, the kind of guys that I will, like, I get what you're saying with the overselling of things. With something like baseball, and I don't understand the the black that Matt Shepard gets on Twitter and stuff like that either. I think he does a great job. I love the guys who. It's just I don't view it as not being genuine. I love it because something like baseball, I'm I'm all for the making it a little bit more exciting. And Gus Johnson, you know, calling a Penn State Wisconsin game, which which really in the big picture, I mean, neither of these teams are competing for a national title. Honestly, probably neither of them will win the Big Ten either. 
it's not that big of a game, but he makes it feel big. And, and I'm always going to be a fan of that. I'd rather have that than the announcer who sounds like he's in the middle of a library and never gets hype over anything. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I back to the Gus Johnson thing, I've always really, really liked him in football or in basketball, rather. Um, I do think that he was a little bit overboard, but I'll, I'll give him uh, the benefit of the doubt that I think he was just excited, I mean majorly excited, to uh, be back calling a game. He's a little, little bit contrived sometimes, some of his sayings, but Clatt's uh, as good as they get, and, I, and Gus Johnson's he's fine. He's fine as a number one guy in the network. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I did, I did see you mentioned, I, I meant to bring this up, you mentioned about Clemson losing. I'm sure you guys saw the stat that, no team since the college football playoff has been around mm-hmm. has made the college football playoff after losing their first game. Oh, So is this going to be a year that Clemson doesn't make it? I mean, they've basically been making it every year. they still got the ACC. I know the ACC isn't definitely not the SEC, but, you know, North Carolina, uh, even though they lost, they look pretty good. Florida State showed something. Virginia Tech showed something. So maybe this is the year that Clemson doesn't make it. Who knows? They got a, they got a ways to go to get back into it, but uh, the the one thing they got in their favor is they got the entire season to start putting impressive wins on the resume, right? Yep. All right. Anything else in college football, fellas? That that stands out. Uh, we had a pretty good segment there on college football. Would you What do you guys uh, yeah, make? I mean, I'll bring it up quickly. What do you guys think of the the Brian Kelly post game comments about I, about the his team overboard. being executed? Yeah. It's so it's crazy that that's even like uh you can't say anything nowadays. Now I'm not some guy who's like acting like I'm super anti, you know, cancel culture because there are some things that just shouldn't be said nowadays. But are you kidding me? Uh, why is that even a big deal? How is that even a story? I, I I don't understand it. Who's actually mad over that? Well, like I I think I told you this yesterday. I think a lot of it is I really think the initial uproar on that came from the fact that the younger generation didn't realize that that was an attempt at a joke that was made back in the 70s. Let's put it this way. The uproar over it was ridiculous. The delivery by Kelly, he better not quit his coaching job, take up comedy, because it was just butchered. But, but uh, yeah, really, it was just a, uh, an attempt at humor that just failed on the joke, on the joke scale meter, if you will. Yeah, I, I, it seems like, at least from what I saw on Twitter, you know, some of the, the commentary I heard around that whole thing, there weren't that many people, like, mad about what he said that, like, thought he literally meant he wants to execute his team. Mm-hmm. I think there there was a lot of people, like you said, Ted, who probably didn't get, like, what the joke he was trying to make is, mm-hmm. what he was referencing. I think it was mostly, like, the people who were, like, shaking their head at it or saying, you know, like, this is stupid was just, like, that it was Brian Kelly like making a stupid joke like it was unnecessary i don't i don't know if that many people were actually like mad about it like to me i just i remember and i, I tweeted out a couple times i i knew some people who played for brian kelly when he was at right. grand valley and the stories i've heard and, and some stories have come out from other places that he's been he doesn't treat his players very well and in fact he's actually like a pretty big dickhead to his players kind of like rich rod type of stories and so like when you also see the videos of him on the, on the sideline, like screaming purple face at, in, in players' faces, and then you hear him say stuff like that. That's the stuff that makes me like, Brian Kelly's just an idiot. Like, why? I don't, I don't really like him that much. Um, and it's, then when he says stuff like that, it's like, dude, just, yeah, like you said, don't quit your day job. Just stick to coaching. Here's the thing, though, Matt. He's a, he's a changed man. Remember, like, the big story, like, three years ago? Yeah. He started doing yoga and meditating, and I will admit, he is a totally different coach. It's kind of crazy that... 
it's rare that you see somebody just totally change like that. Because, like you said, Matt, it was a little crazy. Like, you, he was a little bit of a psychopath. And right. he's a lot calmer now. And, if, hey, if the worst thing he's doing nowadays compared to what he used to is just saying as a joke that his players should be executed, then I think it's a win for everybody involved. Do you think he had that at all in his mind and just completely butchered it? Because the way I was looking at it, and they may not have played the greatest down the stretch and allowed Florida State to get back in it, but coming off that victory in overtime is the first thing you're going to do is be upset with your team. Aren't you going to be kind of ecstatic and happy in the very first question instead of saying, yeah, I want to execute them? <laughs> it just it just seemed like weird timing to me. That's what I mean. That, that's what made it so weird is maybe thinking about the old Brian Kelly. Yeah. And then, right, like, yeah, it was maybe maybe they didn't play the cleanest game, but you just won, like, a classic, a hell of a game. And that's, like, the thing you think about, not just like a, hey, we're going to look at the tape, and I know we're going to have a lot of things to fix, but that was an awesome win, great way to start our season off, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, one thing quick to wrap up the college football segment, you guys, I mean, we were talking about how I'm going to have this reoccurring segment of gambling. I went 2-0 last week. Uh, and my big my lock last week, uh, if you don't remember, Northern Iowa versus Iowa State, they were a 34-point underdog. They, that game came down to the very last possession. They ended up losing only 10-16. to 16. Uh, So I nailed that pick. And then UCLA right all the way, Chip Kelly, officially back. We didn't even talk about that game. But college football is so much better when Chip Kelly's in the mix than when he's winning. So I'm glad to see UCLA uh, is winning. But let me just throw out a couple of my picks. Since I'm 2-0, and I feel like I've just got to give out picks until I have a losing week. Illinois, plus 10 versus Virginia. Virginia. Brett Bioma, I'm all in on this guy. I really do think that he's doing something in Illinois that's going to be, we're going to look back on in five years as this was the building block to him rebuilding a program that was good in the early 2000s, if you remember with Juice Williams and crew. Uh, so I'm all in on Illinois, plus 10 versus Virginia. I also love, I'm anti-Iowa State uh, I'm telling you, they're frauds. Iowa plus four and a half versus Iowa State. I love that pick, too. And my last one, Eastern Michigan plus 26 at Wisconsin. Eastern Michigan is not like Western. Every time they play a Power 5 school, they come to play. They beat, they beat Purdue um, in the past. They've beaten uh, another Big Ten, before, Big Ten team before. They win against Power 5 opponents. They fly the quote-unquote what Mac uh, calls the flag, the pirate flag. Whenever they beat a Power 5 school, all the Mac schools fly the quote unquote Mac flag at their game. So I'm telling you, don't be shocked if they end up flying the flag this week as plus 26 underdog. Uh, Chris Creighton is the head coach there. He's a hell of a coach. He took that program from the worst in the entire country to a program that's a bowl game win or bust every single year. So those are my picks. I'm loving those three. Ted, you were tempted last week when we were talking off the pod to take my picks last week. You didn't. Are you going to do it this week? I'm not as excited this week, and I, I tell you what, I'm kicking myself in the ass because I, you know what? When you told me about the Northern Iowa one, I was all in on that, and I was actually going to take all the money that I had won on Twin Spires and roll it over into that game, and I didn't do it. Shame on me. Snooze, you lose. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's Eastern Michigan this week, plus 26. Um, they're not going to get blown out. I, it, that's not how that program is operating. So out of your three, oh, yeah. pi- out of your three picks, which one is the lock? Eastern Michigan plus twenty six, and don't I guarantee because it's right around a football number. I bet you if you wait till Saturday, that's probably going to be all the way up to twenty eight or twenty eight and a half. All right, uh, and you just wait for it. I, I'm telling Eastern, there's something in the air. They've been building up for this game all off season. Wisconsin's coming off a tough loss in Week One. They're going to be a little bit of a they're going to be sleepwalking through this game. Maybe a little bit of a hangover from last week. I love Eastern. 
our young bookie oh, Eastern, breaking it down. Eastern is a, is a like solid program now. I mean, you you just laid it all out perfectly. They are a strong program now. And I, I was texting with some friends, and one of them is kind of like uh, his second team is Iowa. He's a Michigan fan, but he likes Iowa a lot also. And we were saying, is this going to be that year? You you guys know Iowa, like every three or four years, yep. they have that 11-1 team that makes a run to the title. Is this going to be that year for Iowa? You know, who knows? That might be the team in the West to watch out for the way they started out the season for sure. All right, fellas, good stuff on college football. We'll, we'll end this thing with just a little preview of the NFL and the Lions in particular right after this. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him 3 Point Podcast sent you. All right, guys, uh, NFL football gets underway Thursday night. I believe it's uh, Dallas and Tampa Bay, the ageless one. Tom Brady back for another run at the Super Bowl, maybe. But we're more focused on the Lions. Lions at home against the 49ers on Sunday. Jared Goff, uh, you know, they went through the preseason, didn't show a lot. What are we thinking, fellas? Yeah, I mean, you you said it right there. Didn't show a lot, and I kind of said before we started recording when we were talking about what we're gonna, what our rundown, I guess, is for this podcast. And I don't, I like this is one of the first seasons going into an NFL season for the Lions that I honestly have like almost nothing to say. I mean, like I, which is kind of funny. Anyone that listens to the podcast, me with nothing to say, is kind of crazy to think <laughs> about. But um, I like I don't know what to expect. Is Dan Campbell actually gonna change the culture? Is Jared Goff actually going to be a decent quarterback? You know, he did start in a Super Bowl for the Rams. Um, are some of these, you know, like younger players going to step up? Is DeAndre Swift actually going to be a good running back? You know, like there's all these questions, and I honestly have like no expectations, absolutely none. I don't know what to expect out of Dan Campbell and like what he's going to do with this team, um, the new coaching staff, Jared Goff, nothing. All I do know is I'm going to be locked in. I'm going to watch every single game, every single minute, and – I'm probably going to wonder sometimes why I put myself through it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's the measuring stick, Matt, is if you remember, Matt Patricia, game number one against the New York Jets, Monday night, <laughs> yeah. we were laughing stock of the league for the next, like, two weeks. If Dan Campbell can just avoid making complete mockery of this franchise in game number one, then it's a win in my book because the measuring stick is that low. That's what we were. That's what we were used to the last three or four years. Just don't embarrass us. You know, don't lose by twenty-eight points. Don't throw three picks, Jared Goff. Make it a close game. 
game. I think they're a seven and a half point underdog. Keep it within two scores. Show some, have some of these young guys show some bright spots. Jeff Okuda maybe makes a play or two, and I'm happy with how the team would look if they just accomplish those things. Yeah, you know, I look at this team, and I just kind of looked at what they're offensive starters and defensive starters who they're going to be you know and I look at the offensive side of the ball and you know there are at least six NFL players on the offensive side of the ball I look at the defense which we know was their real weakness a year ago they couldn't tackle anybody they couldn't cover anybody and I'm looking at their starters on defense I mean Okuda we're hoping he bounces back He's about it you know I mean Trey Flowers are we excited about him so I think the Lions I think they're going to play the 49ers pretty tough just because it's their home opener, you know, and they'll be in the game. It wouldn't even shock me if they win that game. But I look at this team, you know, maybe a four or five win team when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to be, they're going to have to win games by being like, by out toughing teams. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. By like being being the uh, Dan Campbell type of mentality. Because like you said, you don't you don't have a ton of talent on either side of the ball. I mean, I, you almost think that Jared Goff is like set up to fail because he's got basically no one to throw to. I mean, hopefully Hawkinson now really does like come into his own. But teams are going to be like double and triple teaming him, so who knows what's going to happen there? I guess the big thing is hopefully, in theory, on paper, maybe the Lions have one of the better offensive lines in the NFC. So hopefully they gel. That will open up the run game, which will then help Jared Goff. So you know that's maybe one thing to look out for, but. But yeah, otherwise, I, I don't know if the defense has improved, you know, because they didn't really do a whole lot. So no expectations. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm afraid their MVP is going to be Jack Fox, and he's the punter. <laughs> right? Yeah. Dad, you're not driving down to the sportsbook this year to make to make a $10 over-under bet? <laughs> no, not this year. <laughs> what is it? Is, <laughs> is it five, five and a half, something like that? I think it was five and a half last I saw. I think it's five and a half, but something that I guess we can hang our hat on is I'm pretty sure of all the long shot bets, the Lions are like number one. I don't remember what the statistic was. It made a lot more sense to what I'm saying right now. But of all the long shot bets, the the, the Lions are the team bet on the most to make the playoffs this year. Really? I think people are just making that bet because it's a long shot bet. I don't know if anyone actually thinks it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, well, I'm definitely not putting any money down on them making the playoffs, that's for sure. If they could even get a sniff to be close to 500, I'd call that a success. But then, like Jared, you always like to say, that puts them in no man's land, right? Yeah, Yeah, the the big game I guess that we have to look forward to is what, it's like week seven at the Rams? Yes. And I just hope, I hope Matt Stafford just lights up the Lions. I'm I'm a diehard, (laughs) lifelong Lions fan. I would love to see Stafford throw for like 400 yards on him. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 the way I look at this team, like let's say we have a brutal schedule out of the gate, uh, it's tough. But if this, if we are facing, let's say, like we were going against some of the weaker teams in the league, if we start somehow, some way, started off with like two and one or three and zero, oh, maybe this team could put together the pieces to have like a five hundred season. But the fact that we are face such a gauntlet right out the gate, like it could get ugly quick. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I agree with you there. Well. 
It'll take place Sunday, NFL football. Actually, Thursday where it all starts, but uh, we'll be watching the Lions. We'll see how long we stick with them. I always like to see them at least competitive until that Thanksgiving game, but I'm not so sure that'll be the case. But well, we know we're we're going to stick with them all year. That's true. Uh, whether they're actually winning games, that's another another story. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with them, but uh, you know, later in the season when they're not playing very well and something comes up on the calendar. I may pop the, uh, or I might put the DVR on, but I may not have to be home to watch it. You know what I'm saying? You might go to uh, go to another Van Gogh exhibit when uh, the Lions are playing. Yeah, or maybe an apple orchard or something along those lines. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, uh, another good podcast. I think we had some fun with this deep look at college football, especially, and uh, you know, big game Saturday night. We'll talk about it on our next podcast. I think we'll call that a wrap, boys. Well, everybody out there listening, make sure you follow us at Three Point Pod. Also, let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Speaking about The Castle, and we didn't talk about this, guys, but here's the big story here in Shiawassee County, Matt. Owasso has been hit with COVID. 11 players are on quarantine right at the moment as we record this on Tuesday night. The JV. Um, varsity or JV? Varsity. The JV game against Corona has already been canceled, and they're, uh, they're putting their varsity football team together with JV players and who's left on the varsity. So kind of puts a little bit of damper on the annual backyard brawl. And, you know, I'm promoing it. We're doing the Corona at Owasso game Friday night, but today is Tuesday, and it wouldn't shock me if, you know, if it gets canceled. Just stay tuned. What did the MHSAA said if it's a uh, forfeit? school can't play because of COVID and the other team can't find a replacement? Do they? Is it a forfeit or yep. just like a no contest? Nope, it's a forfeit this year. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. I hope they play. It would be nice if the guys on quarantine can come back, but that's the latest story here from Shiawassee County. That. That is it, and that's always the one I look forward to every year. We broadcast every single one of those games, and there's been some classics in there, especially the very first one. Well, Tell- let me get you hyped up for that game real quick. Let's say yeah. somehow, some way, Owasso wins this game. I mean, is that not the most embarrassing loss? Like, of any, like It's already embarrassing whenever Owasso loses to Corona or Corona loses to Owasso because of the rivalry. But if I'm Owasso and I'm that coach, I mean – Talk about just somehow, some way motivating those guys. What a win it would be if they somehow pulled it off. Well, you're 100% right on that. What a story that would be for all time, right? Playing half the it JV was. team. I mean, even if the teams aren't that good this year, uh, which, I mean, that's still to, to be decided, but that's one of those wins that you circle for the next 30 years. Remember when Owasso lost 11 players to COVID and they still beat the Cavaliers. I mean, that's I mean that, would, that would be the three. ultimate, let's just leave it all out there. Let's do flea flickers. Let's yes. do... Double reverses. Let's bl- like what? Else, what do you have to lose? You got like half JV players, half varsity players. Just leave it all out there. That, it would be crazy. Oh man! <laughs> now I'm getting. I am getting fired up. I can't yeah, wait. It's gonna be and a fun game. Hopefully, that's a player at Owasso that just your very first high school football game, and like, and maybe you're not ready for it. You're you're. It's gonna be probably the most attended game of your entire career. Yeah. Like just a just an interesting way to start. Well, that's coming up here Friday night. You can hear it all live on uh, online, wherever you're at in the country. That's www.z925.com. That's my promo. All right, guys, for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying, until next time, so long and enjoy this entire football season. I know we will.
Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease and every 90 minutes someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.